Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. You may have thought your parenting troubles would be over once your kids left home, that you'd finally be done. Well, for the most part, that's not true. In fact, for some, parenting young adults can feel harder than parenting young children. So why is it so hard, and what can we do to give our children the right kind of support to help and not hinder our relationships and their growth? Licensed psychologist Dr. Wendy Ulrich, who is living proof that you can have good, healthy relationships with your young adults, she's here to give us some tips. Wendy, thank you for joining us. Pleasure, Amy. Thank you. And you have a lot of experience in this area with your own children and being a mission mom as well. Tell us about that. That's right. Yes, (laughs) I've got 500 kids um, from our mission who... We've been home 10 years, 11 years now, so they've kind of been working through this 20-something period and into their 30s now, and it's been fascinating um, being a part of that uh, transition in their lives as well as with our own children who are in their 30s and and uh, years as a psychologist. So, And, you know, I think that there are some unique challenges that we'll use the term millennials because um, kind of that age group. What are some of those unique challenges that these kids are facing? Well, all of the things we faced, mm-hmm. uh, my, my generation faced, but quite a few more. Um, the so- social pressures today are quite extensive to delay marriage, to take longer and longer, to get an education, which costs more and more money, people going into more and more debt just to get started in the world. Um, all of the challenges with their with their faith and their belief that come with exposure to so many things on the internet and uh, church policies that they may not think agree with the social trends that we are a part of. Um, all of those, all of those challenges and many more. Uh, yes, yeah, these. There kinds. are a lot of things that are exactly the same as what we went through in our twenties, but there are a lot of things that are completely we couldn't have even imagined when we were that age. Yeah, and and still don't really imagine them. I, I still don't know how to put it something up on Facebook. I have to talk to one of my kids to You can talk to me after. (laughs) I mean, I guess I do, but you know, they spend so much time with things that I don't, I don't spend any time on. And, um, and so some of the challenges of just trying to make sure I'm understanding where they're coming from, what the world feels like to them and looks like to them, which is a challenge all of us face as parents. Yeah. And how do we do that as parents kind of put ourselves in their mindset? Talk to them a lot. (laughs) Really? And uh, ask them a lot of questions. Um, It's time to get curious and to step out of our role as sort of the expert in their lives. We have a lot of wisdom to share, but we need to get curious about them and uh, approach our relationship with them in a calm and and compassionate way so that we can understand what they're dealing with and, uh, and not just feel like, you know, leave them feeling like we're trying to tell them what to do and we have no clue what they're really facing. Ask a lot of questions. Lots of questions. What have you noticed with the, so your husband served as mission president, you you talk about all those, you know, kids that you had who yeah. were on your mission. What have you noticed in, in that sense when, when these um, young men and young women are coming home from their missions, they have this strong testimony, but maybe they're having a hard time finding their place in the church maybe, or just progressing to the next steps? 
It is a challenging time for them, and that transition home can be a really uh, difficult one. One of the things that I used to tell our missionaries and still tell a lot of young adults is that when they were in the mission field, they knew their new converts needed three things. They needed a meaningful assignment. They needed to be nurtured with the good Word of God, and they needed a friend. And they are now the people who need those three things to like stay Like coming in the into church. the adult world? They are, yeah. They're coming into the adult world, and, and nobody's going to sit around in a correlation meeting and make sure they have that stuff. They're going to have to be proactive about making sure they have friends at at church. They have a meaningful assignment. And if somebody doesn't give you a meaningful assignment, you need to go find one, create one, and to make sure that they remain uh, close to the Lord and and nurtured in, in the scriptures and in in his his doctrine and his love for them. Yeah, you can't say nobody's reaching out to me. They should know better, right? Yeah, you <laughs> got to take responsibility, out. and they know how to do that. They they've learned those skills as missionaries. But one of the hardest things about any learning is to transfer that knowledge from the setting in which you learned it to a new setting. It's very hard to pull that across because all the triggers for that new behavior are someplace else in your brain, and you have to really work extra hard at first to transfer that knowledge to this new setting that you're in. You talked about how people are waiting longer to get married, waiting longer to even move out of their parents' home. I mean, we lived in Europe several years, and that was the norm there. And I thought, oh, I'm glad this is not how it is in America. But it is now. Kids are staying longer. Why do you think that is that it's more difficult today for these young adults to take those steps into marriage, into even a full-time job, into having their own place? Well, in the in the world at large, um, I think some of those things have to do with the sexual mores of the world that we live in. It's it's not such a pressing thing to get married if you're not worried about your sexuality being confined to marriage. So right now, the average uh, marriage age for young men and women in the United States at, at large is 27 for women and 29 for men. Are we um, finding that in the church? As well. Not as much. Uh, we're we're 23 and 24 in Utah, for example, and in Idaho. So we're we're following the trend, but not not as extensively. Uh, if we're living in in the Intermountain West, outside of that, however, there's a big disconnect. If you're trying to live the standards of the church, and people around you are waiting in D.C. right now till 30 to get married, and you're thinking that you need to move that along, you can feel like. You know, among my friends, getting married at 23 would be a ridiculous thing to do. Um, and I, and yet at church, I feel like I'm already an old maid at 25, you know, that kind of feeling. So it can create some real challenges. I remember moving out of Utah when I was 22 and I had been married already. And my friends in Texas thought that was insane. You were out of your mind. (laughs) But so that explains that, yes, that gives us the facts. Yes, they are waiting longer. And you said the sexual mores is part of that. What about other aspects of life, like moving out of your parents' home or uh, moving into that full-time job? That We're just not seeing kids do that as, as yeah, easily. Yeah, it's complicated. About a fourth of people in their 20s are not uh, working at all. About a fourth are grossly underemployed and working only part-time. So only about half of kids in their 20s who should be in a in a job situation um, are. And, uh, and the ones that they're in are not always great. Um, it takes a lot more education and training than it used to, to have a good job, a job that really will, you know, give you progress in the world of adulthood. And so a lot of kids are waiting. They're sort of seeing 
they're believing the idea that sort of, you know, 30 is the new 20, mm. that you don't really have to make those decisions for another decade. Um, and, and yet all the research tells us that the, the things that you do in your 20s really do count. There is some time pressure. Yes, it's a time to explore. It's a time to have fun. It's a time when you don't have to jump into commitments at the, you know, the, the minute you leave high school. But if you're not making some kind of progress toward commitments, toward um, decisions that you need to make, toward increasing your, your job earning uh, potential and, and your career capital and your individual identity, you don't just arrive at 30 and find you suddenly have all the answers. Right. You, you have to be making steps along that road all the way along. So I think you know that and I know that and most parents out there believe that that is the case, but the fact is it's not happening. I, I hear a lot of criticism of parents these days saying parents have enabled these children. These are the children who got a trophy per, for participating. You know, you hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. How much have parenting skills or the way we parent today lent itself to this this philosophy that I can just live with my parents till I'm 30? I, I think it can be a challenge. We're trying so hard to be good parents, to be involved. And we know that attachment with our young children is so critical and we want to support and to help. Um, but by the time people get into their 20s, it's it's absolutely time to start pulling back. If we're going to foster the independence that they need and that they deserve to have, we've got to give them some space. Uh, one of the adults I one of the complaint ah i can't talk one of the complaints <laughs> i hear uh-huh. from young adults is my parents are too much in my face they're too uh. much in my space they're trying to run my life so we need to be having conversations with our kids helping them make plans reminding of them them of the realities of life and enforcing some consequences for choices that they're making sometimes but we need to not be trying to live the plan for them once they get there well i think the hard part with that is if they're living in your basement and eating all your food, Food, you feel like you have a say. Or you're saying, this is what you need to do this. Why aren't you doing this? I mean, I feel like I'm kind of doing that with my teenagers right now. Right. And so what is that? How do you strike that balance between, hey, I'm letting you live here for free and paying for your cell phone or whatever, yeah. but I don't want to take over your life? Yeah. There need to be some clear boundaries sometimes of saying, yeah, you're welcome to live here. And these are the these are kind of the guidelines that I'd see. Let's talk about it. What do you think makes sense? What feels fair? Let's work out a plan. Um, if you're loaning kids money, do you want it back? Do you expect them to handle it a certain way? Or is it just free reign, do whatever you want? You have to decide as a parent what you think is going to help them grow. There's a great quote from Leonard Bernstein. He says, "If in order for something great to happen, you need two things, a great plan and not quite enough time. <laughs> and sometimes we need to put a little pressure on ourselves and on our kids you don't just have indefinitely to just hang around and do nothing. Um, there does come a time when, yeah, how long do you think it's going to take you to get that job or to get that education? Great. If you haven't made that that goal at that time, what needs to happen next? Because if you're not moving forward in life, you, you're going to end up at 30 with regrets and stagnated and kind of wondering what's happening. I've heard a lot of parents struggle with, uh, they have done that and they've made the plan, but then the plan comes and nothing has happened. And they're in that kind of limbo going, do I kick them out? You know, what do I do? I know it's individual, but there does have to be uh, a consequence if they don't meet their Yeah, don't say you're going to kick them out if you don't, if you mean, don't it. mean it. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're not in, in a place where you can really follow through with that. 
that and make sure that whatever the plan is that you work out with your kid, um, that it's something that you both agree is fair and that you can see exactly how the consequences are going to play out. So let's just pretend this doesn't all go the way you want. How are we going to enforce this rule that we've both agreed to that you've got two years to finish this program and if you're not, you're out. You have to go figure something out. What's that going to look like? How's it going to go? Begin to imagine that. Kids have a really hard time projecting themselves into the future and imagining themselves older than they are right now. So you kind of have to help them paint that picture really see what that's going to look like and imagine it so that they begin to get a little bit of a sense of urgency about it. Yeah. And then if they're involved, it's not a shock what the consequences and you can kind of follow along with that. I I like that plan. And I don't think it's, it's never too late. If you haven't done that and you're in the middle of this right now. Absolutely. Do it right now. Write it down. Plan going, figure it out, have the conversation. It can be calm. It can be curious about what they're, what they're, goals are, what their plans are, what they want. It doesn't work very well when we try to get somebody else to do what we want them to do. Mm -hmm. It works a lot better if we try to figure out what they want and what the steps are that they need to take to get what they want than if we're trying to say, this is what I'm really hoping for for you, and this is what you need to do to get me what I want out of I got to work on that one. Wendy, yeah, I have to be honest. <laughs> um, as something else that I've noticed with this age group is they get married, say they do get married, or they go to college or, and get their job or whatever, and they see your life and they see, oh, you have this big house. You get to travel whenever you want. You seem like you have a perfect marriage. And they feel like in those early 20s or even late 20s, they should have all of that right then, they just have these unrealistic expectations for what life is. They don't realize it took you 30 years to get where you are. No, that's that's really a very good point. And I think this is where there are things we can share with our kids as parents about our lives that might be helpful to them. Um, sharing with them about some of the struggles we've been through maritally, some of the challenges we've been through financially, some of the failures that we've faced, reminding them that nobody gets through life without disappointment, without challenge without obstacles in their path. Um, But sometimes our kids are more willing to hear that from other adults Mm -hmm. than they are from us. And this is where mentoring and and, uh, other adults in their lives can really do a lot of good. Kids really are curious about adults. They want to know, how did you do it? What did you do? How did you make these decisions? How did you decide who to marry? How did you decide what career to choose? And they've heard maybe some of their parents' stories, but other adults can sometimes do a better job of getting that information across. That means as parents, we've got to be that person for other young people. We may not be able to do it as well for our own kids as we can for their friends or for kids in our ward or for uh, young adults that that we interact with it at work or in other settings. So that was my next question is you had the perfect opportunity as the mom of all these missionaries to help guide them. I'm a huge believer in the village, you know, and so those are some good places to reach out. But are you saying we should actively reach out and look for those opportunities to mentor, for lack of a better word, young adults. Absolutely, we should. And if we want other people to be doing this for our kids, then we need to be doing it for others. We forget that the role of a young adult is to become independent. It's it's essentially to cut their ties with their parents and reestablish those ties with the family that they're going to be creating in the future. Once they do that, they're going to come back around. We're going to have that relationship again. And I'm not saying cut as in, you know, move to 
across the country and never talk. But we do have to foster that independence and give them permission to say, you don't have to take care of me anymore. You don't have to take care of my ego. You don't have to take care of my needs for uh, somebody to, to look after and to be kind to. You go and I'll find other places to to get those needs met in my life. Well, I like that because I think that I I think of that a lot with my young children. Um, I'm not afraid to tell little kids if they're doing something wrong, but um, I hadn't thought of that as much for for young adults who need it just as much as those young kids. Yeah. All right. Now you have um, some important life skills that you can kind of help us that we can pass on to our kids because there's a lot of parents right in the middle of this right now. And maybe they're thinking it's too late. I ruined it in their teen years, you know, but there are things um, we can still do. And the first one, of course, involves the scriptures in a specific um, passage of scripture. You're talking about doctrine and covenants, 121, 34 through 46. What is that all about? Well, that's the scripture that talks about the powers of the priesthood and uh, the rights of the priesthood being inseparably connected with the powers of heaven. And then when we try to use our our authority or our uh, family relationships, I think, our priesthood powers, when we try to use those in ways that gratify our pride or our ambition for someone else or for ourselves, or in any uh, a degree of unrighteousness, try to exercise compulsion or dominion upon other people, including our adult children, um, the heavens withdraw and the Spirit of the Lord is grieved. This has been great counsel for me all through my parenting years. I've come back to those scriptures again and again and again to remind me my job as a parent is not to get my children to meet my needs, but my job as a parent is to help them meet theirs, and those needs are changing over time. So when I can treat them with love and kindness and gentleness and and without hypocrisy and reprove them sometimes when that needs to happen, but make sure they know I'm not their enemy. I am absolutely on their side. I want to see the world the way they see it. I want to be helpful. I don't want to push my agenda on them. I want them to make their choices about how they live their lives. That goes a long way. Well, I love that. And I know we're focusing on these young adults, but this is speaking to me as the parent of teenagers, yeah. because right now um, they think I'm pretty bossy. Yeah. And I love that because I'm thinking I'm going to sit down with them and and talk about, because this this all has to start much earlier than when they're 25, right? right? We have Absolutely. to start. I probably should have started younger than they are, but it's a good time for me to sit down with those kids and talk about what are your goals, kind of do it at a younger age, and then maybe it won't be so hard when they're 25. Yeah, and they don't know, and that's okay. Um, Just being in progress toward a goal is a process that we learn how to how to manage and that helps us be more independent and be able to move forward with our lives. So it may not be that that goal ends up where we want to go at all. We may change our minds five times in the process of getting to where we ultimately end up. That's okay. We're learning the process of choosing, of making commitments. Whitney Johnson talks about daring to dream and and dare dating your dreams, mm. not just feeling like you've got to make a commitment once you've got a goal in your head that you can never back down on. Flirt with we one dream, to, yeah. Do another flirt one with it a little, mix. date it a little, make <laughs> some you know make some progress on on those goals. It doesn't mean that you're stuck with them forever, but it does. It really is important that we be doing something 
in in the progress of of our adult the adult skills that we're trying to learn. Another one we mentioned, which is mentoring other young adults right. for us to kind of seek out those opportunities. Because if we would like other adults to to help out ours our kids, then we need to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, wards are a great place to do that. There are always young adults floating around that they come and they go. Learn their names. Get involved with their lives. Be curious about them. Ask them to come over and just uh, tell them what you're do- what they're doing. Be available to them. Your next point, I was worried about at first, but you clarified it for me because you're talking about praising them and uh, and and just telling them things you love about them. And I thought, doesn't this play into the enabling that we talked about? But you're saying praise specifically. Very specifically, when we praise people for, oh, how smart you are, oh, how talented you are, oh, how beautiful you are, oh, how popular you are, it backfires. That is not the kind of praise that's helpful, actually. And in fact, it can create in kids something Carol Dweck, a great psychologist from Stanford, calls a fixed mindset, where people kind of start to get the idea that I'm either smart or I'm not. It's something I'm either born with, or if I'm not born with it, I'm out of luck. And then when the magic disappears and life gets hard and life always gets hard, they don't know what to do next. So as parents, we need to be really working at praising effort, praising persistence, praising you tried again, praising that was a great failure. You took a big risk. It didn't go so well, but I'm so glad you took the risk. What did you learn from that? Learning from failure, um, praising the trying a new strategy, getting appropriate help. That persistence and hard work and effort are the things we want to be pointing out to our kids and saying that's what's going to get you where you want to be, where you want to be in this life. I hope people are really listening to this because this was something that I struggled with when my children were small, and I have two sons and a daughter, and everyone would tell my daughter how pretty she was. Yeah, that was all they would say every yeah. single time. Oh, you're so yeah. pretty. You're so, and I would say, and she's so kind, and she's so mm-hmm. she's so loving, you know. And I'm trying to give them hints that I don't want her just I to hear. She's pretty her whole life because that goes away. Or even if it doesn't, that's not where your value should be based upon. So I love that. Praise, persistence, praise, effort, not... Yeah. They're smarter than And it turns out that we can start doing that when they're a year old. Kids who are praised for effort and persistence from 14 months to 36 months had this growth mindset at seven and eight where they were willing to be more resilient. They were able to stick with hard tasks longer. They were able to bounce back from failure and see it as a learning opportunity instead of a defeat and a statement about their ability. And what a key that is when you're talking Huge. about young adults who maybe they don't have the best thing with their first job or someone they thought they were in love with, they have to be able to keep going and not just wallow in your basement. Yeah. And never too late to start talking about that. I I really recommend that book. You also talked um, earlier about this, but how important it is to talk calmly, I think is a key word here, about reality. And how early should we start doing this with our kids? Oh, you know, as early as they'll let you get away with it probably, (laughs) but certainly in their 20s. um, This isn't a martyr shaming kind of you aren't facing reality kind of approach, but just, you know, well, how much do you think it costs to do this? How much do you think that, you know, you're, you're looking at being a, you know, whatever, how much 
How much money do people make in that career? How much training does it take? Get them to find the answers if they can. Point them toward talking to people who can help them get that information other than just becoming the source of wisdom in their lives. Um, Help them become realistic about things, about things like fertility and things about job earning. Um, the, The biggest predictor of how much money you'll make over the course of your life is set in your 20s. Even though you may not be making a lot, it counts that you're making something and that you're doing something to progress your own career. And and that mentoring that you talked about by other adults is important here too. If no one is reaching out to your child, do you recommend um, kind of guiding your child to someone's direction to be able to talk to them? Yeah. Tell them, go talk to uh, so-and-so is a dentist. Maybe maybe she can help you figure out some answers to that question if that's really something you want to do. Have you got a teacher at school? What are they telling you about what job opportunities are available in history, if that's your love? Um, There's nothing wrong with being a history teacher all your life, but it would be really unfortunate for people to decide to be a history teacher thinking they're going to make $200,000 a year and find out later that they're going to make fifty. Now, I think that your last tip you're going to talk about might be the hardest for a lot of parents right now who are struggling to kind of get their kids moving, you know, who are in their 20s, and that's simply to enjoy them. How do we do this when I feel like a lot of parents of kids this age are really stressed about what the future holds for their kids. How do we kind of step back and have that enjoyment with them? Well, I think of a client I had whose uh, son had left the church and who was devastated by the choices that he was making with his life. He, um, he, he really was concerned about this young man and loved him dearly and wanted so much for him to have a different set of experiences than the ones he was choosing at that time. And, and over a period of about nine months, uh, he fasted and prayed every Sunday for this boy for 24 straight hours. You know, he really was dedicated. He made sure he went to the temple on a weekly basis. And he, he just felt like he was in mourning. Uh, their relationship was going through a real renegotiation and the kid didn't want to have a lot to do with them. And it was, it was really tough. Um, as he was looking at renewing that commitment at the start of a new year, okay, I've got another year, you know, I'm going to be <laughs> fasting and praying every Sunday for this child. Um, he felt the Spirit really say something to him that was impactful for me and helped me remember some things about my own relationships with my children as well. And what the Spirit said to him very clearly was, it's time to stop mourning the child you lost and time to start rejoicing in the child you have. Um, such a such a sweet reminder from the Lord. Not saying, oh, stop being a baby about this. You know, compassion from the Lord. Of course you're mourning. Of course this is difficult. And the Lord understands that. He knows what it's like to have troubled children. Yeah. And he's not belittling to us as parents when we're hurting. But to say, There are good things about this child. Find those things. Rejoice in them. Connect with them. Re-engage with him. Maybe you're not going to have the same relationship you had. It's going to be a new normal. It's going to be something different. But don't just give up. There is so much good about this young man. Find it and, and, and find joy in it. I think we can do that with our kids at so many ages. <laughs> All throughout their life, sometimes we have yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. So, Wendy, you um, said you have some skills that you have found really make a difference in how parents can communicate with and help their young adults. Um, and the first one you talk about 
create a meaningful and purpose-filled life story. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Well, you know, if you think about the, the, the favorite movie in your life, virtually every good movie has sort of three elements. It has a, a character that we really care about because they have something good about them, some good values. They have something that they want, either because circumstances impose some, you know, disaster on them that they want to get free from or because they think of something that they want or because an opportunity presents itself. And then they have all kinds of obstacles they have to overcome in order to get that thing. And they learn a lot in the process. That that covers 98% of the movies that exist (laughs) in the world. And the reason for that is that's our life. That's how our life story develops as well. That that analogy often works for kids because they're interested in movies and TV. And to say, okay, what is it you want? What are the values you want to enact with your life? And how are you going to do that? And you're going to face a lot of obstacles along the way. I want to be here to help you if I can, but it's going to be up to you to take on those obstacles, to take that on and to learn from those things. Um, and, and you'll fail in the process, and that's okay. And this is very similar to what we were talking about with goals, like looking at their goals for yeah. their life. Yeah. Um, secondly, and this I think is the one where it's easy to say hard to do, helping your child develop those skills where they can be independent. Um, we all want our children to get to that point, but how can we help them get there? And we've talked about some of those things already, praising the persistence, mm-hmm. praising the effort, um, talking about failure, sharing our own failures with them so that they know that disappointment and failure is part of everybody's life. So we've got to figure out how to get past it. Sending them to other people. Who can help you find a job? Who can get you more information? Becoming a resource to guide them in creating the plan, but not living the plan and allowing them the consequences when they fail. Um, One of Carol Dweck's statements as she learned about this fixed mindset, growth mindset stuff is the resilient kids didn't think they were failing. They thought they were learning. And if that's the mindset that we can help our kids create, it's not going to be quite as devastating when things don't go perfectly. Next is what we talked about, flirting with ideas, flirting with dreams. But my question is, how long do we let them flirt before they have to you know, put a ring on it? <laughs> um, it, yeah, good question. And I don't think there's a, a hard and different fast for answer everyone. to that. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, but but kids are afraid of those commitments. They want to find the perfect job. They want it to be exciting and something that looks good on Facebook. They want to find a career that will always make them happy. And they forget that, yeah, you have to explore. No, Nobody's going to just hand you the perfect career, the perfect major. You're going to have to go try some things. But if you never get to the point of saying, okay, let's move forward and let's commit to something, you're not going to, you're not going to get the, uh, the, the progress that you need. A great pianist doesn't just get born that way. They have to do a lot of work before piano is even enjoyable, really. You know, we have to work a long time at something before we get good enough at it to decide if we like it sometimes. But that's not wasted time. The exploring time, the committing to something you don't end up sticking with is not wasted time. Um, There's a little experiment where people put jars of jam on a display. They put six jars of jam out. You could try them. They saw how many people bought jam, and it was about 30%. So they thought, well, let's try more options. Let's give them more choices. Let's put 24 choices of jam Mm -hmm. on the display. And sure enough, a lot more people came over. It looked great. It was exciting. 
the number went down to uh, the actual number of people who bought the jam went down to 3%. Hmm. When we have too many choices, we get immobilized. We keep thinking, well, one more might be better. One more might be better. Oh, I can't remember now if that was better or not. Uh, At some point, we fall in love with the people we commit to, not the other way around. And I think this is where it's so great to have the plan like you talked about that you both agreed to that then you as a parent can enforce if you need to. Yeah. Our thanks to Dr. Wendy Ulrich, a licensed psychologist, author, former missionary mom, and mother to young adults of her own for her thoughts and insight on parenting young adults. Gospel Solutions for Families. Subscribe to the podcast on churchofjesuschrist.org forward slash inspiration or the Latter-day Saints channel on iTunes.